Hello and welcome to the Infertility Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Candice. Grab a biscuit because we've got the tea on all things infertility. If you'd like to stay up to date with our story, follow me on Instagram at Operation Baby Bump. And subscribe to my YouTube channel, Operation Baby Bump. To get connected with others going through infertility, you can join the forums on theinfertility.com. This is a community resource created for infertiles by infertiles. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate us and leave us a cheeky little review. Episode 10. Wow. Hi, guys. Episode 10. Double digits. I didn't think this podcast was going to go anywhere. I know. One million listeners later. <laughs> that would be weird. That would be weird. Yeah, so um, in the last episode, I talked to Ashley about her DOR and yeah. her genetic factors. Good episode. Part Good of her. banter. Yeah, and you know, we discussed something that raised a few eyebrows. What was that? Um, the story about you slaying a snake. Do you want to... Oh, Tell us goodness. about that. Yeah. Um, oh, this is a day that will live in infamy. Um, Just for the for the record, I am terrified of snakes. Yeah. So, little story then. Let's let's do a little story time. Jack and Ori, everyone, sit down. Get ready for this. <laughs> so, um, the year was twenty fifteen. Yeah, twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. And we are. Uh, clearing out the garden of our house that we'd had for probably less than a year at that and point. And for those USA listeners, the garden means the backyard. I think they know, don't they? No, not everybody knows English, the Queen's English. Good old Queen. Anyway, so we're cleaning out this garden. It's been completely neglected by the previous owners. And there were leaves everywhere from our tree. We replaced the fence. Replace the fence. Um, anyway, so we're clearing up. There's some bits and pieces everywhere. And uh, we moved this big pile of leaves. And then out of nowhere comes this at least 11 foot long. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're exaggerating no, the length. No, definitely. Men oh, always exaggerate the length. It's the girth where they get you. Oh my god, can we just... My parents are listening to this. Sorry, mum, dad. Um, Alright, so anyway, so I'm pulling out these leaves and then all of a sudden this foot long, maybe bigger, comes slivering out, right? Candace is... Where are you? Are you inside? I didn't see it. I, I was in the yard, but I had my back to it. And you said... Don't look. Don't turn around. Get in the house, you know. And I knew what it was. Yeah. I didn't even have to ask. So I had a shovel in my hand. So me being the overly manly man I am, um, as you could tell by how deep my voice went. (laughs) Anyway, so this snake's giving it the big one. He's giving it the sliver. So I'm like, not today, (laughs) Galvatron. He's giving it the sliver. So I went at him, chopped him. Maybe... Three times, yeah, yeah, chop. <laughs> totally took him out. He's in pieces, literally in pieces. And then I'm like, oh, that felt good. Bloodlust. So I picked him up, threw him into the pond. Dead. 
But wait, there's more. Mm. There's more, Candace. Mm-hmm. And you know there's more. Mm-hmm. Candace is now in the house right now. And um, I'm moving another pile of leaves. Oh, here comes his twin brother. <laughs> here he comes slivering at me. I screamed, <laughs> Candace, do not come outside. She's like, ah! And I was like, do not come outside. So I didn't say it that way. Anyway, so I got him as well. Chopped him up. And I threw him in the pond. <laughs> I was like, the world doesn't always deserve a hero <laughs> like this. Me. Yeah, that's a good story. Saved your life twice in yeah. one day. He's my hero. Never yep. been more turned on in my life. Then we moved out of that place and moved up to the fifth floor where they couldn't get us. Couldn't get us. Although we did have a problem with owls up here. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Let's get to today's episode. I wanted to talk about things in the ute. You know, the uterus. Oh, I thought, isn't that a ute, a a form of uh, newt? I do not know. I'm not familiar with the species. Anyhow, I wanted to talk about things that are abnormal with the uterus. Um, Things like polyps and fibroids and something that I learned about just recently called Asherman syndrome. There's a um, a friend that I've made on Instagram. Her name's Kelsey, and Shout she out Kelsey. what's up? Um, and she has Asherman syndrome. I was so interested because I've never heard about this, and I really wanted to interview her. So I gave her a call, and let's listen. Hello. Hi. Hello there, friend. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I was just making some notes for all of this. Sweet. This feels a little bit like a blind date, to be honest. <laughs> it kind of does. <laughs> like, I've, I actually know what you look like, so in that aspect, it's, like... it's not a blind date. I actually know a lot about you because you have <laughs> an extensive range of videos on your YouTube channel, so... Right. I know. It's like uh, Tinder for the infertile. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking to Kelsey, a.k.a. it's Kelsey's life. That's how I know her by. (laughs) Um, And um, she's also a YouTube sensation. So we are very lucky that we booked her on this podcast, (laughs) on our little podcast. So thank you so much for um, doing this today. Um, In this series, I really just wanted to kind of shed light on some different aspects of um, or different components of infertility because I feel like we all kind of have these different ailments, if you will, Um, Uh and sometimes we share them with other people, and then sometimes we don't even know, because a lot of of people um, I know have unexplained infertility, so they're still searching for an actual reason why they're not getting pregnant, Um, Uh so I think this will really help people um, to kind of learn more about what other people are going through. Um, so I guess just tell us a little bit about yourself, like how you met your husband and when you got married. Yeah. So, oh man. So we met, we're actually college sweethearts. So Aww. we met back in college and, um, you know, 
I don't want to say it was like a love story, like love at first sight, but I mean, it kind of was. We we definitely clicked right away. Um, and 11 months after meeting, we were engaged. So we definitely knew like we had found the one. Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty young. I mean, I was 23 when I got married, um, which um, I guess nowadays is kind of young. I don't know. It's yeah. Like, well, all over on that spectrum. But <laughs> yeah, when you know, you know. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, when we got married, uh, right off the bat, I mean, I guess we were like, maybe we'll just like be married for a year, do the whole like typical one year yeah. marriage, and then we'll get pregnant right after that. It'll yeah. Be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like so many people kind of go into it with that thought process, like, all right, I'm going to ditch the pill, I'll be pregnant by this day, mm-hmm. I'll have a baby by this day, it'll mm-hmm. be great. Yeah. So... We got married in 2015. Uh, we actually just celebrated our fourth wedding anniversary last Happy week. Happy anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> it was awesome. So we're four years in. And um, so once we got married, we ditched the pill probably like six or seven months after after the big day. And, you know, we were ready. We are like, all right, let's do this. And it was interesting. I had been on the contraceptive pill since I was... 16 same so a long a long yeah. time mm-hmm. I had no idea what a cycle should be like I was totally oblivious and naive to how this process was gonna go yeah but um you know after we ditched the pill I want to say it was probably four months went by and I never got a cycle so we were confused we're like well I know I should be getting periods because I can't really try if I don't really have those yeah so, of course, we were just like, well, maybe I should just, like, go get checked out, see what's going on, told my OB what was happening, and she kind of did the Band-Aid approach, <laughs> what I mm. like to call it. She was like, oh, no periods? Okay, well, we'll just, if you just want to get pregnant, let's just, let's just throw some Clomid your way. Yeah. You know, the typical, the typical thing. Yeah. So, that's kind of how that all, that all started. Right. Did you have periods when you were on the pill? I did. They were very light. They probably mm-hmm. were maybe two days, and I considered that, you know, all Normal. right, that was it. Yeah. 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 Yep, that was it. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. So that was kind of like when you you started Clomid pretty early on in your marriage, and then after Clomid, when did yeah. you, like, when did you get an infertility diagnosis? Was it? At the time of the yeah. Clomid? It wasn't. So um, we did the Clomid, and I actually I got pregnant the very first round I took Clomid, which wow. was crazy mm-hmm. um, and very unexpected. The whole cycle didn't make sense to me. She just told us, like, okay, have do the deed on these days, mm-hmm. and you'll get pregnant. And I did. So I was like, oh, okay, sweet. <laughs> Clomid, <worked>. the amazing. <laughs> the, the magical drug. And... Um, shortly after, about a week later, um, I miscarried naturally, and then this whole world of infertility and miscarriage really came to my attention. Right. I was like, what What are we doing? Like, what is happening? That shouldn't have happened. Right. That doesn't happen to people. And I really started doing research at that point. So we stayed with a MyOB for a little bit longer. Um, she wasn't concerned about the miscarriage. She's like, oh, that's super common. A lot of people miscarry their first baby. Let's try, let's try letrozole. Maybe that'll be better for you. So we gave that a go. And um, I think we did two rounds. 
got pregnant on the second round. So I'm like, okay, sweet. This is it. All right. Um, and uh, we saw a heartbeat on that baby. Everything was looking great. And I went in uh, 10 weeks, and the baby had stopped developing. Uh. So, yeah, that was a gut punch because you're like, oh, my gosh, no way this is going to happen a second time. Like, right. we're good, right? Yeah. And it wasn't. So we ended up having to have a DNC um, just because the size of the baby. And I was in a mental place where I was like, no, I want this done. Like, right. I want this over with. And this is when, like, the whole Asherman's thing started coming to my attention was when I had the DNC, she kind of expressed, she's like, you know, you had a lot of scar tissue in there. It was kind of weird to see, especially for someone that's never had any kind of uterine procedure before. Um, It doesn't normally look like that. So I was like, so what does that mean? She's like, oh, it's probably nothing. And she just kind of brushed it under the rug. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, I keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I have the full story, but if you have questions, like, feel yeah. free to stop me. Tell us. We want to know it yeah, all. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, after she kind of said that, it really raised a red flag in my mind. I'm like, well, why do I have scar tissue in there? I've never, I've never had any other procedures well, in that region. <laughs> right. So it didn't make sense. So. I started doing my own research, you know, this Googling scar tissue in the uterus and um, Asherman's popped up and it kept popping up. And there's a really great resource. It's Asherman's.org. They're a great foundation. Um, people can donate to it. It's to keep research for Asherman's going. But basically, I kept coming across that. And when I had my follow-up appointment after the DNC, I kind of like brought that diagnosis to her and was like, do you think this could be that? Do you think we need to do something else? And she just kind of dismissed it. And at that point, I was just done. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to seek her help anymore. She right. wasn't really helpful. She was definitely what I called the Band-Aid doctor. Ugh. And just wanted to keep moving forward. We're going to get you pregnant. But I'm like, well, what if that's not an option? Right. So I sought out a reproductive endocrinologist in my area. He had, you know, the top reviews. And what I noticed about some of the reviews of him was that he diagnoses and does surgery for Asherman's patients. So I sought him out. And before, it was during my, like, consult with him, before I really even got a chance to tell him of my suspicions, um, by just telling him my history, he was like, let's check you out for Asherman's. So this was like a, like a yes, score. Yeah. Like, he wants to look for, look yeah. for him before I even mentioned it. So... Yeah, that's kind of how how that went. And um, that's crazy. He, that's so good that he was really intuitive and like, you know, picked up on that right away. Because I, from what I researched of it, and I I did watch her YouTube video. By the way, she has a YouTube um, video all about um, her diagnosis of this and everything. If you want to know more, um, and it was so interesting to me because this seems to be a really rare condition, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is super rare. Um, I think maybe 2% of the population gets diagnosed with Asherman's. Um, But it was kind of explained to me that the reason the diagnosis is so low is because this isn't something that can be found in, like, regular diagnostic testing. Mm -hmm. So kind of like endometriosis. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah. Kind of like endo. Like, you have to really explore 
to find this. And mm-hmm. so a lot of people get overlooked and it's, it's missed quite a bit. Wow. So tell us a little bit about what Asherman syndrome is, what, what, it, what causes it and yeah. how it's treated. So kind of like the textbook definition of Asherman's is when scar tissue is found within the uterine cavity or on the cervix. Um, and kind of a big difference that I wanted to point out between like Asherman's and endo because I think a lot of people can kind of misconstrue the two because they're in the same area. They kind of have very similar symptoms. Um, Asherman's is usually caused by some form of trauma that occurs within the uterine cavity. Whereas endo, Mm. you're the pro on that. So I'll leave that to you. you (laughs) Endo is something where, you know, you kind it's kind of, you're born with it. Usually it's usually hereditary. You, it's like not a circumstantial thing. It's like, you're born with it and mm-hmm. it grows within you. Whereas Asherman's, it's more so something happened within the area to cause that scar tissue. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. And it's frustrating because I know a lot of people, I think about 25% of uh, people that have a DNC end up with Asherman syndrome, which wow. is a pretty high number. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and I know DNCs happen for a variety of reasons, whether miscarriage you have one after you have a baby or a c-section so it can happen to a lot of people and a lot of people don't know about it so when they lose their periods or they have really painful pain at the time of a period but no period comes that's definitely like two of the biggest symptoms I would kind of like to call out just kind of get stuck in there yeah, right? that's exactly that's exactly what happens. It gets stuck. Um, it's very painful. I've been hospitalized for the pain oh before. My God. It's it's very uncomfortable. Granted, the blood does get reabsorbed back into the body, but at the time that it's happening, it does not feel good. Right. No. Yeah. That sounds miserable. Yeah, it's not a, not a good time. So yeah, Asherman's in a nutshell is just scar tissue within the uterine cavity. Right. So, um, to have it treated, like you said, it, you have to have it removed like via right. DNC. Could it grow back? Um, yeah. So you definitely, the surgery to have it removed, you, you're going to end up having a laparoscopy and probably a hysteroscopy along with it. Um, just to, you know, really get in there because sometimes the scar tissue can spill out of the uterus and start to affect other organs, um, near or around it. Mm-hmm. For my case, that did happen. Um, the Asherman's was in my uterus, blocking a tube, it ended up wrapping around my ovary and spilling out to my colon. So oh, it was definitely God. like growing its way around. And obviously for your reproductive health, that is not big, good. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and your bum health, like yeah, right. I know endometriosis <laughs> also affects. Like I had endo on my bowels, and I always yeah. thought I had like IBS or something. Yes. <laughs> Did you have any <laughs> of those symptoms? Not to get too personal, but oh. we are talking about your uterus. <laughs> I feel like I'm an open book at this point. I'm like everyone knows everything. I have pictures of yeah. like, my uterus. On I know. YouTube. <laughs> I've actually seen your uterus, so I feel comfortable asking you about your bowels for yeah. some reason. <laughs> I'm not shy. And yes, it, it it has affected so many parts of my health in terms of reproductive health, um, digestive health, and, you know, it's, like, caused leaky gut problems, like, it's just, it's gone up, and it it definitely affects more than just 
the reproductive organs. Do you feel better after having it removed? So it's interesting because you asked earlier, and I think I forgot to answer, but Asherman's can come back. Mm -hmm. Um, Just just like um, with anything, like, you know, you get a scar, and the scar will always be there. So even if you have it removed, the possibility of it coming back is pretty high. So most people with Asherman's, once they have it removed, it's not over. Right. You will probably have to be treated again. I know women, so many women, I'm in this really great resource. If anyone that's listening has Asherman's, there's a Facebook group just dedicated to Asherman's patients. So you can really connect with other women that have it and kind of bounce ideas off of them. But when I initially was treated with my surgery, which was a year and a half ago now, um, I felt great. My cycles were normal. They were like four or five days long. Things were going really smoothly. Um, but I've noticed over time that that has diminished mm-hmm. and I'm being checked in about a month to see if it's back and I'm praying it's not, but I kind of have this gut feeling that it is. Oh no. So how long ago did you have it removed? Uh, yeah, it was about a year and a half ago okay. from now. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. it was October, 2017 that I had it treated. Um, obviously I had to heal for about three months before we could start any, any, um, treatments again for TTCing. And, you know, we did a bunch of IUIs, nothing worked. Um, and yeah, so now we're under the IGS road. Right. Welcome. Yeah. We're happy to have you. <laughs> Thank you. So if you have any you. questions, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> definitely will. From us Thank old veterans. Right. Yeah, you oh, definitely have the, the, the scoop. <laughs> yeah. I'll spill the tea on on all <laughs> things IVF. Yes, please. <laughs> oh, Lord. Now, so I also wanted to talk about polyps and fibroids because yeah. Asherman's, to me, sounds really similar. Like, it sounds really similar to endometriosis, but also um, I had polyps um, okay. and they found that before we um, did IVF and they identified that by an HSG um, and they can actually see it through an HSG or an SHG. Um, And at the time we thought that, Oh, that's the reason for our infertility. So um, if anybody doesn't know what polyps are, they are just uterine tissue that grows abnormally. So they, like bunch up in the uterus um, instead of having like the smooth uterine lining. It's like little wart things <laughs> in there. And um, usually um, they can be cancerous. Um, and fibroids are a little bit different because they're actual muscle tissue. It's not uterine tissue. It's actually muscle tissue. Um, so it can grow in the uterus. Um, they're usually bigger than polyps and it can also grow outside of the uterus. Um, and polyps and, um, fibroids, they cause heavier periods than normal bladder discomfort. Um, but they can be removed, um, via like either I had to have a DNC. It it was in initially, it was like a hysteroscopy. And then he basically had to just scrape it all out because it was like, ridiculous in there he couldn't just snip them off um like he intended to do but it's interesting to me because 
like you were saying, DNCs can cause Asherman's. Uh-huh. Um, one of the risks of like hysteroscopies and polyp removal is depositing scar tissue in the uterus. So it's like, what do we do? <laughs> do we get it removed or do we leave it? Exactly. It's a it's a it's a lose lose situation because uh, obviously, when you need a DNC, you obviously need something removed, whether like you said, right. it's a polyp or a fibroid or a, a missed miscarriage. So odds are you have no way around it, and you have to get it. And I feel like a lot of doctors don't explain the risk that can happen with a DNC because I mean DNCs are ancient they've been doing them forever yeah and no one talks about any of their repercussions um but like you said your DNC ended up being a lot more invasive than they originally intended and one of the ways to get Asherman's is by a really extreme or rough DNC and Mm -hmm. it's it's scary because most people don't know that, that that happened to them yeah yeah, that it's so amazing. I I'm fascinated. I I feel like I'm always learning something new in this community. Um and did you ever like have polyps or fibroids or know anything about that or was it strictly Asherman's? Was it Yeah, both? so it was I I was definitely aware of what they were. Um so when I I my my Asherman's was originally found via SHG and he told me he's like we're looking for three things and we're going to hope we see none. And he said we're looking for polyps, we're looking for fibroids and we're looking for Asherman's. And obviously they all three look really different. Right. Uh when you see them on the scan, um the Asherman's is a little different cuz the polyps you can kind of see them like directly sitting within the uterus or um, somewhere around them, but the Asherman's is, like, just kind of, like, this white, foggy-looking stuff that isn't necessarily, like, in the uterus, but it's surrounding it, so it's, it's interesting, so I was definitely, like, on my radar, I was like, oh, I probably have a fibroid, maybe that's it, maybe that's what she thought was the scar tissue, um, but then he flat point blank was like, oh, no, that's Asherman's, I'm like, great. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Well, I'm, I think it's amazing that you finally found a doctor who is really kind of in tune with your history and was, like, ready to help you in that way. Yeah. Is he going to be um, your RE for IVF? He is. I feel, I feel very lucky to have found him as a doctor. I know many doctors don't either know much about Asherman, so they're not looking for it, um, and I know I mentioned earlier that Facebook group for Asherman's patients, um, and within that, there is a list of doctors throughout the country that um, specialize in Asherman. So if um, anyone's looking for that kind of information, it is out there because not all doctors know what they're doing when it comes to Asherman's. Right. I think, I think um, and I know I can, this is kind of, my clinic is very, you know, if they haven't seen it before, they're not it's not on their radar type of thing. Yeah. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. And they're just kind of like looking at a limited number of items, you know, mm-hmm. like my clinic was not looking for my endometriosis. They did not screen me for it. They were not interested in pursuing that. I mean, that was just like something that fell by the wayside. So it's so important to have those resources, you know, to have, a doctor that's equipped to um, be prepared to, I guess, investigate 
um, and be ready. I mean, like it sounds yeah. like he already knew what that was. And so what's the name of the Facebook group? Ooh, let me look real fast. I have Facebook in front of me. It should just, if you just search, um, it should be Asherman Syndrome Awareness and Support. So it's a, it's a closed group. You have to request to get in there. Um, I believe it asks you a, like a question or two, like if you've been diagnosed, if you're suspicious of diagnosis, um, things like that. And there are women in there that have gone through the gamut with Asherman's. Um, I know some women that have had it hundreds of times worse than I have. Um, and it's it's truly inspiring mm-hmm. in that group to see them come out on the other side with their post Asherman's baby because, you know, Aww. the uterus after that is so, it's so traumatized yeah. that the fact that it carried a pregnancy to, to term is amazing. Yeah. So yeah, that's it's, so it's great. fantastic. That's great. Yeah. I, I gotta love Facebook groups. I mean, I'm a part of a Dr. Braverman's, um, that's called Braverman's Hopefuls, um, Facebook group. And I mean, working with him is so strange because he's like in New York and he works remotely with all these, um, people across the world. And so having that kind of place to ask questions and post, um, encouragement and seek support is amazing. So I'm so glad that you found that. Yeah, I agree. Those things, especially when, you know, you're up late at night Googling stuff and it's eating away at you, you can just like hop in there and you've got women going through the same thing, Googling the same things. And it's just, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Well, Kelsey, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Um, If people want to get to know you more, tell us um, how they can find you on YouTube and Instagram. Yeah, so you can find me pretty much on every social media platform. That just it's Kelsey's life, um, and then more specifically on Instagram, I do have a dedicated Instagram account just for infertility, um, and you'll just find that it's Kelsey's life underscore TTC. Awesome! Thank you so much, Kelsey. I really appreciate you. your time, and I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Alrighty, bye-bye. Bye. Isn't she so nice? She's wonderful. Yeah, she's really cool. I feel like if she lived here, we'd be real-life friends. friends. I do, too. Mm -hmm. I do, too. Yeah, she's always really, like, bubbly and positive, and I like people like that because I'm not that type of person. No. If I try to be positive when I'm on Instagram, and I try not to bring other people down, but I don't always feel happy and upbeat and so I like following people like her um that are always just like her smile it just you know it's one of those things that you can just tell she's like a genuinely happy person so um we were really lucky to get her I love having guests do you remember when I had polyps I do remember when we found those. Yeah, yeah. We we like we were in there and we we found those polyps. Some digging, I tell (laughs) you. Oh gosh, Kelsey and I discussed this earlier in the podcast, but we were excited because we we thought that was the reason for our our infertility. Um, I call them the tonsils. (laughs) They do look like they look like uterine tonsils. It's really weird. I kind of have a little connection to today's episode. 
Yeah. Um, of course, my polyps have been removed. They were actually removed uh, in 2017. 17, yeah. Um, they can grow back, so I've had two HSGs since mm -hmm. then, and I've also had another hysteroscopy, and they hadn't grown back at that time. So I believe when I had my laparoscopy, they also did another hysteroscopy. Yeah. So, um, and cleaned me out there too, if there were anything in there, which I don't think there was. So yeah, hopefully they don't come back. Yeah. Stay away. Stay away. You're Stay not away, living rent-free in me. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on the Infertility Podcast. PCOS. Thanks for listening. I'm Daniel. And I'm Candace. And, and I... I...